Well, greetings, friends, and welcome to the Gospel Underground Podcast. This is episode 42. There's an app for that. Transcultural morality, Apple, Google, and Saudi Arabian values. We are broadcasting live. Well, live for us from the Power of Change World Shedquarters here in Blacksburg, Virginia. I'm here with my partner in crime co-host, Jesse Fury, with his new Bonhoeffer House hat on. Multiple ones. You had a different Bonhoeffer House hat on yesterday. Your hat game is very strong. Strong hat game. And uh, it's good to be here, Reed. And I appreciate you only talking about my hat and not the rest of my clothes today. <laughs> I just look normal, okay? Uh, you're, you're looking good, as always. Um, Jesse and, and uh, Bonhoeffer and also our church do really good T-shirts, really good hats. Um, and so I need to actually talk to you about huh? getting some kind of swag done. Because I'm going to, Power of Change is going to sponsor a mini conference in the fall. And i got to build a table. Display. I want to have some giveaways, maybe some hats. Yeah, hats, let's talk, swagger, man. Let's talk. Yeah, this is this is a one-off sample that my hat, my hat people gave me. Your hat people <laughs> te- teach me sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah we man. can talk later. What a beautiful day out here in Blacksburg. It is beautiful. It is not snowing. It is not hot. It is not cold. It is sunny. Man, it's good to be here. So beautiful that when I was driving over here today, I passed a a guy riding an ele- an electric unicycle was like a little wheel one wheel yeah that's made by the segway people yeah those things are cool they go like really fast he dude. was going really fast Looks i like saw him die i right? saw him way up ahead and i thought i'm gonna catch this guy and see what it is and it and, and it took a while i had to drive a little faster than normal i've seen that guy i had goes, to see it though it goes about 35 miles yeah he was, he was flying <laughs> yeah. one wheel man we'll, we'll pray for his yeah. uh, life in the hands of a segway gyroscopic wheel <laughs> Well, Jesse, about last time we had a Valentine's Day um, episode, very well received, lots of good feedback. I got a, a note, a text from a friend uh, a couple of days ago, said he was laughing and enjoying the, the Lupicalia slapping folks <laughs> and fertility festival. I had someone uh, send me a message on Facebook Messenger about it as well, <laughs> that, that they had, anyway, it was... It, Yes, we we got a lot of feedback. Fun fun episode, and um, I I was very confident on that episode, saying, "Oh yeah, my wife and I, baby girl <laughs> and I, we don't even have to do Valentine's Day." So we went out to eat and got crab legs. That's right. You made a big deal about you did yeah. it the day before, yeah, or yes, a couple yes. days before. I think it was the twelfth we did yeah. ours, and I was because you're because you're a pro. Yeah, twenty three years married, and so. Jesse, then I, because of that, and consciously we went out together for Valentine's Day on the twelfth. I didn't do anything on the fourteenth. Uh oh. Bro, man, I hurt my wife's feelings. Man. <laughs> I'm like, and, I, and I'm not even kidding. I like looked at her eyes, and she said, "Are you not doing anything on the day?" And I saw oh, like no. in, in, only men who've been married a little bit can understand this, but um, I actually saw seriously like really I hurt her, and I just like my soul sunk, man. I was feeling like the biggest jerk in the world, thinking I had Valentine's game of a veteran. And I made the most rookie, rookie mistake. mistakes. Yeah. Oh, man. So I was like, man, a big, and my kids were like, it's okay, daddy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, almost to pat me on the head and say, dude, you'll get him next time, do daddy. Next time, my child. Uh, <laughs> oh, and so Casey, the next day on the 15th, was heading up to Fredericksburg. They do this almost weekly now for Olympic development team practices, four hour drive. And so I got on the phone. Uh, I ordered flowers. I had them at the hotel arrival, uh, covert operation, huge success. But here's the lesson, man. I kind of dug out of the hole, but not really. Men, no matter what you do, do something on the day. Mm. Otherwise, Mm. you'd be an idiot uh, like me Mm. 
Well, I wasn't tracking my wife uh, on her way to Fredericksburg, <laughs> but I did find out through her Hotels.com booking which hotel to send those flowers to. But apparently there are people tracking women uh, with uh, iPhone and maybe Android apps today, Jesse. Ooh, I, I want to hear more. Well, this is our episode today. There's an app for that. We're going to hit a news story here in a few minutes uh, about Saudi Arabia and some people kind of frustrated with Apple and Google for a certain application they're using apparently in that country. But before we get to that, uh, it's going to be really relevant to talk about uh, morality that kind of spans cultures. And if uh, you've been listening here to The Underground, you might remember episode 26, How Wrongeth You Are, where we talked about cultural relativism. Well, we're going to continue that conversation a little bit today. And and, and undergrounders out there, we're going to get a little dang nerdy today, okay? We're going to get a little into some philosophy uh, and then hopefully keep it light uh, about some very serious things. And most pe- you know, one of the, most people don't realize you are you're a nerd, Reed. <laughs> I mean, you don't look like it because you got the you're you're the wrestler and you know, but you you know you're going to be using words today that most people would just I mean, yeah, you know you 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 try to um, you try to keep things in balance, uh, <laughs> but sometimes I, you just get fired up and you see an argument for the existence yeah. of God in a story about Apple and Google apps in Saudi yep, Arabia. Yep. You know. I, I feel like. God has given me to you to help you uh, <laughs> remember to dumb things down. You're going to make fun of me now, when you get super how, nerdy. Now, how how would Jesse best understand this? <laughs> I'll use cake. This is, <laughs> this is not true. We'll use cake and ice cream illustrations today. For, it is true, though. For Dr. Jesse Fury, PhD. No, Jesse no. just told me that he's going to be pursuing a PhD, so let no one fool you. Well, Jesse, did you know the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy on the Internet? It's a really good website. Plato.stanford.edu, all kinds of entries on philosophical categories. The term moral relativism is defined there in a real geeky way, but let me just summarize. Moral relativism is associated with the thesis that there are deep and widespread moral disagreements in the world. And uh, it's also a thesis that moral truth or justification is not absolute but relative to the moral standards of a certain person or group of persons. So if we're talking about moral relativism, it could be individualistic. So what is true for you is not true for me morally, right? This might be right for you. Most people aren't individual relativists thinking that the whole universe is going to adjust to their own personal opinions about morality. But our culture, our society does subscribe to, as heard in a class at my daughter's high school, Mm to cultural relativism, what is true for us, but may not be true for all of y'all. And so we're going to dig in today into this idea of our morals or values um, culturally subjective or relative. And so I was helped years ago by a book by two, uh, two guys, Dr. Francis Beckwith, who's a, a philosophy professor. I think he's at Baylor now. Uh, and another guy, an apologist named Greg Kokel, they wrote a book called Relativism, Feet firmly planted in midair, which I think is a great title. But in chapter, I think it's in chapter two of their book, they talk about two ways you can be wrong or being in error. Uh, and they said this rational errors can be distinguished from moral errors or moral wrongs in this way. 19th century philosopher John Stuart Mill pointed out that moral wrongs are the kinds of things for which punishment seems justified, right? You do something really wicked or evil wrong. We don't punish people merely for getting their sums wrong in math, right? 
Yeah. Uh, their errors would be rational. You made a mental mistake, not moral. But a man who beats his wife is not simply incorrect. He's immoral. When there is a rational wrong, we correct the error. When there is a moral wrong, we punish or correct the person. Now, this is very important because when we talk about something being morally wrong, uh, we're saying that, hey, those folks over there in Saudi Arabia, maybe they're not doing it right, and they're not just making a mistake in their mind. Right, and they, and they should be... They should be punished or corrected, or corrected. Right, right, or corrected, of, of course. Now, they go on to talk about ways things that are true as well. That's when you think be mentally or rationally wrong or morally wrong. But also things can be um, true in different ways. And the two categories I want to give you today are something can be subjectively true or something that can be objectively true. And here's what they say. When I say that Hagen dazs oh baby, we're already doing ice well. cream. Ice cream. <laughs> yeah. When I say that Hagen dazs butter pecan ice cream is absolutely delicious, I have said something true because this statement accurately reflects my personal tastes. Notice, however, that I what I have not said anything really about ice cream. I have not made the claim about the object outside of me, a half pint eaten frozen dessert sitting on my counter. Rather, I have said something about the subject. I've said something about me. Hmm. My statement about the taste of haagen ice cream is a subjective truth. It is true for me, the subject, but not for the object, the ice cream itself. The ice cream doesn't taste, I taste it. The experience of flavor pertains to me as the subject, not to the ice cream as an object. That's why when I comment on the flavor, I'm talking about something true about me. Not about the ice cream. Subjective truth, not objective. Tastes are personal, right? They're private. They're individual. If you didn't like Butterfoot pecan ice cream and favored chocolate instead, it would seem strange for me to say that you are wrong, right? Now, we might do that, that with our buddies about, man, you're so wrong if you like this kind of you know, ice cream or craft beer or I, IPA. I, yeah, or, I recently came out as a... Uh, as a fan of Coke Zero, oh, and I have a lot of people telling me I'm wrong, and and you, but went, I'm unashamed. You went from hero to your own zero. <laughs> <laughs> so, Coke Zero for the taste, <laughs> right? Right. So it's weird for us, like Jesse. You're an evil man for that. You're not. You could be faulted for having different subject, subjective tastes about dessert, but you're not morally culpable for that. At least we wouldn't think so. So here's a summary of their chapter. Subject, they say subjective truths are based on internal preferences and change according to our whims. Objective truths, in contrast, are realities in the external world that we discover and cannot be changed by our internal feelings. External facts are what they are, regardless about how we feel about them. Now, this is very important. Moral relativism, they write, teaches that when it comes to morals that which is ethically right or wrong people do their own thing or groups of people do their own thing ethical truths depend on the individuals and the groups who hold them relativism does not require a particular behavior for everyone in a similar moral situation when faced with exactly the same ethical situation i might choose one thing you may choose the opposite no universal rules apply to everyone, so writes Beckwith and Kokel. Now, in other words, if I could summarize, relativism can only assert or call the world to subjective morality. Uh, saying something is wrong is sort of like saying uh, morally wrong is like chocolate ice cream is the only way to go. Or 
we in our nation and our society, we only like chocolate. So people over there, maybe in Saudi Arabia, if they're doing vanilla, they're wrong. Now, that can only be asserted subjectively if relativism is true. Now, so we come to this news article this past week. Uh, Jesse, you could summarize it for us. Yeah, so we have... uh we actually are linking to two, two articles in our show notes. The first is from NPR, and this article highlights that uh, there's an app that I'm going to read kind of an, an excerpt from that article, an, an app that allows Saudi men to track the whereabouts of their wives and daughters is available in the Apple and Google app stores in Saudi Arabia. Uh, but the U.S. tech giants are getting blowback from human rights activists and lawmakers for carrying the app. The app called Absher was created by the National Information Center, which, according to a Saudi government website, is a project of the Saudi Ministry of Interior. The description of the app in both stores in both stores say that with Absher, you can safely browse your profile or your family members or laborers working for you and perform a wide range of e-services online. In Saudi Arabia, women's lives are highly restricted. For example, according to Humans, Human Rights Watch, women have always needed permission from a male guardian, usually a father or husband, to leave the country. In the past, paper forms <clears throat> were required prior to travel. Now, that's the NPR article. The Business Insider has uh, a little bit more to say about it. Uh, in, in, <clears throat> in this article, we see that there's a senator from Oregon, Senator Ron Wyden, who actually wrote to Tim Cook and Sundar Pichai, uh, who are CEO. the yeah, yeah. CEOs of Apple and Google or Google's parent company? Did Al- we figure that Alphabet. out? Alphabet. Yeah, I think he might be in charge of Google, but yeah, okay. we'll have to check. And said, uh, said hosting the app flies, and this is quote, flies in the face of the type of society you both claim to support and defend, end quote. He goes on to say, uh, quote again, American companies should not enable, enable or facilitate the Saudi government's patriarchy. End quote. And he calls the Saudi system of control over women abhorrent. 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 That's strong language. Okay. So like the word abhorrent, okay, just a couple of places online, Webster's Dictionary, dictionary dictionary.com gives us this, causing or deserving strong dislike or hatred, being so repugnant as to stir up positive antagonism, causing Mm. detestable or loathsome feelings. Now, abhorrent is, is a little bit more than saying something's yucky. Right. Um, he's saying that this is morally outrageous. Yeah, he's he, not just saying vanilla is better than chocolate, but they're both OK. Right. He's saying uh, vanilla is abhorrent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So a few observations. Right. If Senator Ron is saying this. OK. I like you. Uh, I like that you called him Senator Ron. Yeah, his Senator, first name. Senator Ron. Senator Ron. Uh, from Oregon. It's <laughs> uh, kind of Senator Ron from Oregon. <laughs> What you got on? I'm, I'm derailing um, you. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't don't mess up my flow. Um, he's saying this is really wrong. Now, if if that's the case, a few observations are in order. Um, he's asserting that this is um, a, a value system that transcends merely American or Saudi Saudi society, or at least he cl- he's trying to. Um, and transcultural values would be transcendent values. In other words, they don't come from society. They have to come from somewhere else. Unless you are engaging in some sort of cultural imperialism, like saying chocolate ice cream for all by the decree of Oregon, right? I don't, I don't think he's saying that. He's saying there's something wrong going on with this app tracking women in Saudi Arabia. That's We're, a really interesting point I had thought about, that the alternative to a transcendent value would be a, a, a type of imperialism 
That's right. Uh, moral and moral cult, morals located within the culture. Is That's it right. to say uh, we've come to a better understanding of this, and now we're going to en- enforce it on you from across the globe? Right. Either we're more progressive, yeah. we're more enlightened, or Western liberal values or views of human rights are superior to, say, Islamic values being expressed in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. This is important because if you are a cultural relativist and you want to make this kind of claim you're really just doing cultural imperialism saying chocolate over vanilla. Mm. Unless there are transcendent values, then we're appealing to something outside of both Oregon and Saudi Arabia. So some observations, transcultural values would be transcendent values, um, if you can critique that way. Secondly, um, Islamic values related to women's rights, homosexual rights would be, uh, or the patriarchy of Saudi Arabia are, abhorrent okay even wrong so the writings of the quran uh the hadith the writing of the prophets on women or on uh, homosexuality would be seen as wrong and if these things are wrong uh, and you can say that from oregon you hold then to transcultural transcendent values um and maybe something like universal human rights Hmm. now universal human rights are an interesting thing that say in our society we believe in right like People have declarations on universal human rights. Well, the question we should have is where do those come from, right? Uh, Is there a a big ice cream factory in the sky that declares certain flavors good and bad? Or, right, if there are universal human rights, how do we derive them unless we believe in a transcendent source for them? Ronald Osborne, author of the book Humanism and the Death of God, Searching for Good, after Darwin, Marx, and Nietzsche, he gave a lecture called The Scandalous Origins of Human Rights. Uh, and basically his thesis was that the, this idea of universal human rights, that everyone, every person by nature of them being human, uh, is deserve certain, certain rights and dignity, comes out of a worldview that the West has kind of been in for 2,000 years at least. And he said this, can we actually have a rationally coherent, morally compelling, historical, sustainable discourse, as well as a practice of humanistic values and human rights without a thick metaphysical or religious framework, a transcendent one, such as the one provided in the Western tradition for some two millennia by the Judeo-Christian sources? In other words, uh, in the West, uh, the idea that universal human rights comes directly out of the idea that all people created equal, created in the image of God, and then are due certain respects, rights, and dignity. That does not come from uh, simply, well, that's true for you, that's true for me. It does not come from uh, the emergent properties of matter itself. It comes from something that transcends societies. Otherwise, how could you ever critique another culture or have one critique ourselves, which is many times very, very necessary. So I want to make an argument today, Jesse, uh, like an actual philosophical argument. Is that is that OK? I want you to. <laughs> OK. Um, given the outrage against these apps, right, and even from oh, Senator Ron from Oregon, um, that we ought to believe that moral values are not like ice cream and subjective, but they are, in fact, objective. And in doing so, it, it kind of lands us in the idea that they should be derived from the existence of God. And so I want to do something, <laughs> we're going to get really nerdy, called a disjunctive syllogism. 
Okay. A syllogism is just a logical argument. Disjunct is kind of like an either or argument. And so the structure is this. Let me give you an example. This is from uh, philosophyindex.com that just kind of describes different kinds of arguments. Very simple. We'll put this in the show notes as well. A disjunctive syllogism. Let me do an example for you. So if I were to say premise number one, the cake either has chocolate or vanilla frosting, right? Now, Notice that that's a limiting statement. It's either or, either chocolate or straw or vanilla. There is no strawberry possible. So you're like, well, what about butter pecan? It's the cake either has chocolate or vanilla frosting. Number two. First of all, first of all, I'm tracking because I know cake. And you're getting, you're getting <laughs> hungry. Yeah, boyfriend. this is good. Okay, keep going. So the cake, number one, premise number one, the cake either has chocolate or vanilla frosting. Number two, the cake does not have vanilla frosting. Therefore, what is the logical conclusion, Jesse? The cake has chocolate frosting. That's right. That is a disjunctive <laughs> syllogism. Because of the structure mm. of an either or argument, if you deny one of the premise, parts of the premise, then the, the other follows. So another example would be, say, either the sun orbits around the earth or the earth orbits around the sun. The sun does not orbit around the earth. Therefore, the earth must orbit around the sun. Now, this is a deductive argument. And in philosophy, a deductive argument is true if the premises are true. It has to follow. So I want to use one of these disjunctive syllogisms to talk about this uh, case from uh, Saudi Arabia. Number one, here's my first premise. This is the disjunct. Uh, human vo- moral values are either culturally relative, or they transcend human cultures, okay? Number two, human values are not culturally relative. And my proof would be Saudi Arabia is doing something wrong to limit human individual freedom and support the tracking of women, abhorrent even, uh, if we were to follow uh, Senator Ron. Number two, or, and then Gap, Apple and Google, I almost called them Gapple, uh, Apple and Google should enforce, right, this morality, uh, and remove this application. So there's both an, a description of the wrong being done and then a prescription for morally right action. So premise number one, human moral values either culturally relative or they transcend culture. Number two, human moral values are not culturally relative. Otherwise, we could not critique this app. And therefore, human moral values must transcend human cultures. This is important for us. For if moral values transcend human culture, they come uh, to us, and they don't come from us, right? And the best explanation, if we were to say, well, how do, then do we explain how moral values are uh, come to us and not from us? Uh, they must transcend societies. And what other source could we recommend than a transcendent uh, good God who is the source of moral goodness, the judge of moral goodness, moral law, and moral Hmm. truth so if your friends are making claims about the evil of say their political opposition or the wrongness of oppression and injustice we have a great opportunity if we want to talk to people about god to say hey how do you know that that app is actually wrong and we Hmm. can be skeptics for a minute right we can say well how how is that senator so sure that uh, Saudi Arabian values are are abhorrent and his values are correct. And and basically, we want to stick our friends into the relativistic bog because we know that certain behaviors are actually evil. Someone say, hey, if someone was in their society said, we boil babies for fun in our culture, um, you wouldn't say, well, that's just their culture. We would say, 
That's wrong. Stop doing that. Yeah. Right. Stop yeah. doing that. Or if we were to say Jim Crow segregated laws in the South, we might, uh, someone say might write letter from Birmingham jail and an appeal to a, uh, a value system, a judgment that comes from uh, above the society as Dr. Martin Luther King certainly did yeah. when he uh, called people in America on the evil of institutionalized injustice yeah. based on race, right? Mm. The idea that there's a moral uh, progress that could be made or a moral betterment that could be made in a society begs the question that there is a source outside of ourselves that both calls us out and calls us to change. And moral change is a beautiful thing that is possible if there is an up or down, a gravity, more than just opinions. Yeah, and I like I like what you're what you're doing here, Reed, with helping us to think about um, just being curious about about this. If someone is expressing that kind of an outrage about uh, an injustice, uh, it reminds me of Oz Guinness's book, Fool's Talk. It's pretty yeah. recent. The Art of Persuasion or something? Yeah, like that. yeah. And, and one of the sections in there, he, 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 uh, he recommends um, helping people see the, the outworking of their maybe their belief statements. That's right. That's right. And so in some ways that helps, it, it does locate the person into the bog of relativism in order to see like, Oh, wait a minute. There has to be a way there out. There has of to this. be a way out of this. Yeah, you know, how did right. I, how did I end up here? And that's right. uh, so that's good. Just, and we, and we can do that in a way that's not, um, that's gentle and that's, respectful. That's right. Gentle that's and respectful. Right. Yeah, that's right. Cause if you do it like as an arrogant piss, you're just kind of someone who's just kind of throwing you're you know, just yeah you're just messing up everybody's yeah. day and nobody yeah. likes that um socrates and if you read any ancient greek philosophy is really good at using questions to help people destroy their own premises yeah so that they would say well i don't know what what do i believe yeah. what and uh and this this friends is not hard to do so when you're discuss discussing say the the transgender athletes in connecticut jesse i don't know if you you know this but they're at it again uh, we did an episode on uh, the track meet boys and girls where we looked at the outdoor track. Now indoor track I saw ha- has been broke a, broke a record, that's right? right. A state that's record. Right. 55 meters, I think, broke this state girls record. A um, biological male broke it by three-tenths of a second, I believe, which is unbelievably yeah. ridiculous. And there's even a picture where, with a dude in a leotard with all his dudeness <laughs> right in there yep. beating girls in a race. And so if, if something like that happens which, in society... Which, by the way, then you have the say the sixth place girl who was beat out by two two men running the the, the front two were transgender men transgender uh, women wi- that's right biological, Transgen- biological men transgender <laughs> women uh the sixth place w- girl now doesn't get to go to the showcase the yeah. college showcase yeah. uh meets because only the first through fourth place do that's and right. so then the question is is that fair to her whose fairness wins there that's like, right and these are kinds of things that are in the news that, you know, as followers of Jesus, we want to be able to talk to our friends about to expose certain things that that uh, make it easier to talk about God with people. Another example, um, last night I, sit, I stood in for Casey at the Blacksburg Middle School PTO meeting. Uh, wonderful time, but there was a discussion of the dress code. As there are in schools that don't have uniforms, there's many times discussions of dress codes. And so I didn't really get in the fray of it. Um, cause there was questions of whether it was persecuting girls because, you know, certain things that you shouldn't wear and certain people didn't want to take it in account biology of teenage boys and girls in, in these discussions. Some did, um, but I didn't take a position, but I did ask questions because I wanted to say, Hey, well, what is appropriate? You know, 
How do we know what that is? And then allow the room to really wrestle with that because it's a very good question. If you don't have a starting point, are we you were just putting them all in the bog? Are we trying to be moral here? Are we trying to be modest? Yeah. Are we trying to be liberated? Are we trying to you know be clothed? Are we trying to be naked? What are we trying to do mm. with our dress code and why? And that leads to a different kind of discussion with relationships with people over time. And when somebody says that an application that Tim Cook should not support this, it gives us an opportunity to talk about how do we determine what is good and bad transculturally. And unless the judge of these things is God, we do have a problem, right? Yeah. Uh, years ago, uh, to bring back up Google, when it was founded, it had kind of a slogan that Larry Page and Sergey Brin, the founders of that company, had that was this, don't be evil. That was kind of the big thing because mm -hmm. Microsoft, they were seen as the evil software empire or something. And they were going to don't be evil. Now, later on, they got a CEO that was kind of brought in to kind of uh, give them adult supervision. And he was asked, well, what is evil? And he said, well, whatever Sergey says is evil is evil. Well, unless Sergey is God, we, mm -hmm. have a, we have a big problem, right? We have a big problem now what do you think about the the actual moral goodness or badness of this app jesse or should we support this app or should we should we join with uh, pastor ron from oregon uh, on pastor, <laughs> pastor ron i like that <laughs> uh well you know i tend to agree with senator ron from oregon yeah as far as to the moral goodness of or or badness of the app right right um, that that enforcing a kind of tracking you know anything that that enforces a um a lesser than uh position for uh, for people uh adult people made in god's image um i'm not for that yeah yeah it i'm not actually, about that I, I, you're not about that business no um i actually sat down and tried to think through this a little bit yeah. it's like my say for instance my daughters i have two of them 15 and 17 um and my wife um, have phones that that geolocate them, right? Not right. A, not everybody can see that information. Only like Russian hacker spies, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, and, and people, you <laughs> and me I can see this. Um, but um, it is non voluntary with my daughters. Now they do agree to it, but it's like this was a household rule. I, I will know where you are, like yeah. when you're in another state. Um, and it's voluntary with my wife, who's an adult. She's like, wants to know where I am. I want to know where she is. So if we're looking at this, right, uh, we're going to value things like the human's uh, ability to make choices and mm -hmm. to be valued in and of themselves, right? Um, freedom, right, is, is a good thing of conscience of being able to do. Um, and so freedom of religion even, right? Um, obviously enforcing a certain religion's view of women to their own uh, trapping of them through uh, Islamic patriarchy, we would find problematic. But again, where do these values ultimately come from? We would have to say they come from being created in the image of God, male and female, equal in value uh, in the world. And so how about those iOS apps? We love them. We love them. Well, we use them all the time. Use them all the time. As a matter of fact, uh, I think we're moving Talk on to a segment right now, right? And movies and things, but don't care enough to write anything. Yeah, that's right. Uh, a little reviewish, a little reviewish. Since we were talking about iOS, I figured iOS. we'd bring back our reviewish segment. And I wanted to talk about this because both Jesse and I are sitting here at the table with um, iPad Pros. And I wanted to say, hey, what about iPad Pros tablets as um, laptop replacement? You've been experimenting with that a little bit here lately, uh, Jesse. What do you think about uh, doing that? I love it. So <laughs> I made a transition, uh, I guess it was probably October, 
or so of last year to uh, using an iPad Pro as a laptop replacement, and and I love it, man. Love I it. love it. Love it. I don't think I'm going to go back. Yeah, once you go iPad Pro, you're never going back. Yeah. You know, there's been uh, Jesse and I both have have you know carrying around as a kind of a primary computer, uh, an iOS device, a, a light computing tablet, right? With thin, light, quick battery all day. We both have keyboard attachment covers on this thing. Lightweight, um, yeah. carrying around. I don't notice it. It's really, really good. Now, there's still some challenges to this, like mobile Safari, at least in iOS, isn't you know doesn't give you the full website on some websites. File management could be better. I'd like to be able to pop this yes. SD card out and throw it on easily. Yeah. On I don't know, I might be able to do that with Ferrite Pro Audio Editing to throw a, a USB-C uh, iPad Pro SD card reader into this. I might try this today. But, but, but still, as as long as we're doing a review-ish, you're talking about a workaround. That's right. Yeah. I'm just thinking out loud about going to Dongletown and plugging yes, things that's in right. that don't seem to be easy. <laughs> if you can stay out of right. Dongletown, right, you want right, to stay right. out. And so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, whereas my Dell laptop, I could just slide in that SD card right yep. into it, read it, no problem. Um, audio handling would be great to be able to use your iPhone or an iPad and just simply call someone up, record your voice and their voice at the same time using the app. You can't currently do that too easily. It's a little bit of a workaround. So, uh, yeah, Saudi Arabian men using an iOS wife tracker, though. Is that wrong? Is that right? What do you think? We'd love to hear from you what you think about this app and other morally uh, dubious claims like Coke Zero. You can write us some <laughs> feedback. Uh, You're going to get feedback on that. <laughs> to info at gospelunderground.org. We do. would love to hear from you on this relativism, objectivism in terms of morality. Please hit us up. Well, what's that sound, Jesse? Come on. Take us. Take him to church. (laughs) Take him to church. Hey, so we've got another segment we do here fairly often or on occasion uh, where we take him to church. And and typically, Reed, you have me do that as... Pastor Jesse. Pastor Jesse from Virginia. Yeah, we actually, not not Pastor Ron from Oregon. He's nope. Senator Ron, Senator but we do Ron. have Pastor Jesse here today. So what do you got for us today? Yeah, so um, what, I, what I want to talk about for just a few minutes today is the gospel. Uh, the reason I want to talk about that is because, uh, well, there's a couple reasons. One is uh, I'm excited that in a couple of weeks I'll be uh, leading our time in the gospel underground on uh, on this idea of what is the gospel. That's right. The borderlands between church and culture. We did something on culture, and now what about the gospel? What about culture? the gospel? How, how yeah. We're going to go on the other side of those borderlands. Yeah. Yeah. And, and in the weird like Christian theological subcultures, there are debates about this, right? right? So in some ways, uh, uh, we want to be able to turn in, in that direction and address that and also just turn out into the world and, and, and present what is the gospel. That's like, right. what, what, when we say we're the gospel underground, uh, what do we mean? And so, uh, so I just want to throw a few things out there. Right now, there's a, there's a bit of a debate between, is the, and then there, there has been for some time, is the gospel, uh, maybe the, gospel, the, the good news of personal salvation? Right. Christ uh, came into the world to save sinners. Of whom I'm the you know foremost. You know, repent or, and believe. Yep. You go to heaven. That kind of thing. Yep. Yeah. And, and and typically in the West, anyway, that's very individualistic. So that's the gospel for me. You know, that you, perhaps you've heard, uh, if you were the only human in the world, 
Jesus still would have died right. on the cross for you. That's and, right. and that kind of lives in that world of individualistic. Are you going to take that from me, Jesse? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you do not have permission to use. No, it's, I, I'm, it's been taken long ago. Uh, yeah, no, we, we, we can talk about that next, <laughs> yeah. uh, next podcast. But, yeah, yeah. but in, in that world, uh, I, I think of it as, or, or communicate it as, that's kind of the vertical gospel. That's, right. There's a problem between man and God, maybe particularly between me and God. Mm-hmm. Uh, that problem is the sinfulness of man, my particular sin, which is to say uh, rebelliousness against God, moral imperfections, and so on. Transgressions. Transgressions. Yeah. And, 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 uh, and God has to deal with that because God's a just God. Right. And so he, he's going to visit punishment on things that are unjust and cut against the grain of his creation that damage the things that he loves, which is to say damage his creatures. Uh, and, and that Jesus, that God sends his son in the person of Jesus, uh, to come and bear those sort of bear the wrath of God in our place and then mm. give us his own righteousness to justify us. Right. So this is kind of the vertical, um, me and God get right again. I'm reconciled to God. Or, or if you're maybe next level, <laughs> we, we, we get reconciled to God. That's right. Um, but then there's another aspect that, uh, that is more of a, more of a horizontal aspect. So sometimes it can be considered more of the kingdom aspect of the gospel. Jesus comes as King and proclaims the kingdom of God is at hand or, or is near. Uh, oftentimes this is, this is more popular now and maybe progressive evangelicals who want to talk about, um, doing justice, living humbly and doing justice in the world. Uh, manifesting the kingdom through good works, through good works, yeah. through loving, uh, through say anything from orphan care to widows, to, uh, refugee care, to, uh, racial reconciliation and justice. Mm. And, and oftentimes, um, these two sides tend to, uh, they tend to not get along at least or go at it. They, they tend to go at it because they, they look across and they go, your gospel is deficient or, or, um, your gospel is no gospel, you know, right. it's works, salvation by works right. or something like right. that. Right, right, right. And so here's, I'm going to make a statement and then we'll unpack it in the future. In a whole episode. In a whole episode. Maybe episode 43. That's right. <laughs> um, and so, so uh, what I want to say is that the gospel is more than just the vertical, right? It's more than just uh, God saving me as a sinner. Um, but it's not quite everything, right? There's, there's still something particular about what the gospel is. And I think the gospel is at its, at its most essential, the climactic arrival into the narrative of God's story of Jesus as the Messiah King. Mm. And those two themes of Messiah and King tie together both the vertical where the Messiah is the anointed one, the promised one that would come and, uh, uh and, and bear our iniquities in our Prophet, place. Priest, King. Yeah. Mm. And then on, and then the King side, uh, gets at the fact that now he's coming. He he's initiating his kingdom. He's he was uh, he he was inaugurating his kingdom as he came onto earth, and now he and now we represent the kingdom and we re- represent the king, and we live under his lordship here on earth. Which means uh, that we do live justly and we do care about the things he cares about because we're representing the kingdom. And so, uh, and so that that and, and I'll make one quick argument. Uh, when you when, save some for the episode. Yeah, that's why. Oh, you're right. <laughs> Let's just say this. Uh, the earliest sermons recorded in the New Testament, uh, I think that I think that they back up what I'm saying, mm. that that the that the gospel is that there is God has been telling a story and into that story. He sends his son as the Messiah King. Amen. And that and the, and the gospel is 
he's come. That's right. So we'll, I'm hopeful now that, that that episode will be a wedding between these two things and not a divorce between them. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, the Gospel Underground is a joint production of Power of Change and The Bonhoeffer House. Review us on iTunes. Five stars are acceptable. Send your comments, feedback, and or questions you might want us to take up here on The Underground or about Coke Zero. To info at gospelunderground.org, we are dialogue taking place on the borderlands between the church and culture. And we hope you see you out there. Peace. Peace.